Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. All right. We are live. This is the. Uh, right now, we're finally doing a, a live podcast. We normally do one recorded, but we thought we'd, we'd kind of throw a little bit of a curveball at you. So, uh, this is live episode 140 of Believe in Rams. I'm your host, Jake Ellenbogen. Joining me is Cameron Lynch. And uh, we got a show for you today because the Rams are going up against the Seahawks for the first time this year. Uh, the Rams, we're going to get to it. Before we do, be sure to subscribe, like, comment, review, all of that. Uh, we appreciate those of you who are live. And be sure to send this around to anybody who might be interested and get some people in here. Uh, maybe we can answer some questions at the end. But uh, before I get into that, we got an ad read. So this is betonline.ag. Basketball is back, and BetOnline remains your number one source for all sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup, info, player news, and game trends at BetOnline. And as your continued source for all sports wagering information, BetOnline features live betting, free contests, giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events, whether that's NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, or even golf. Head on over to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure you use promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. BetOnline, where the game starts. So, Cam... Uh, welcome back in. Happy to do this with you and uh, excited to do this with you because we have not done this live yet. Uh, but we're going to start off with the only way we know how to start off, the burning question. So uh, we're going to start off, Cam. John Wolford is going to get the start in this one, not Bryce Perkins like, unfortunately, we were talking about. Um, but I want to ask you, this is a two-part question, I guess. Was this the right move, and will he start the entire game, or should we expect to see Bryce Perkins at some point? I like that second that second option there, right? You mentioned having uh, two quarterbacks in the game. Um, I think yeah. that's going to be important, right, because it's going to be difficult for the defensive coordinators to the game plan, right? you got Bryce Perkins who can run the ball. Jake, I went back and watched his film back at Virginia, and the man can run the ball. He's looking to run the ball first, and so – Whenever you're providing that option for defensive coordinators, it makes it super tough. So I think having both guys as an option as a threat is going to be really important. Similar to the Saints, right? Similar to the Saints offense where you have, you know, your Andy Dalton and then you have your threat at, at quarterback and so you're running quarterback. And so I think that's extremely important to have different options to go to. And so, um, you know, with Matthew Stafford out this game, we'll see what happens. It's going to get exciting. So we shall see. Yeah, you know, they're going to have to uh, figure out different ways. And I think, you know, we've kind of talked about this, alluded to the idea, like this at this point in the season, like you have to be able to find something to build off of. If you want, you know, a certain offensive coordinator to come in next year, maybe, you know, this is a hot spot for that. You have to show this is a hot spot for that. Um, you know, my friend Alex Rollins put out a fantastic video. You got to check it out, Cam, if you haven't, um, and anybody listening. He uh, basically he put out this video where essentially he showed all the issues with the Rams and he ended it with just the, the most simple thing. Basically like, hey, if anybody's going to turn this around, it's Sean McVay. 
and it's a little it's a little thing but i think it 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 made a uh, a difference and you know i thought that was that was definitely cool for him to point out because you know there's some uplifting hope there um you know and, and i feel like i agree with him i mean you know i think Sean McVay has regressed as a play caller but i feel like regression people just assume is like that's where you are now like you can't come back from that. That's just where you are now and you're stuck. That's not the case. You can regress one year and then come back and and fly high the next year. So set back for the major comeback. Come on, Jake. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and, so and, and another thing too, right? It's like I think we talked about on the last podcast, podcast 139. If people haven't heard it, go go back and listen to it, but having the next person step up, right? Um we talk about some of the offensive coaches uh uh, we mentioned Matthew Stafford is out. Sean Bay. Bay. It's like, hey, I don't have my my QB one, so maybe pass the sticks to a Thomas Brown, you know, who's assistant head coach, tight ends coordinator. You got Greg Olson, the senior offensive assistant, and Zach Robinson, the pass game coordinator. See what those guys can do. We have about six games left, and I think you also mentioned it before, right? This kind of like a, another preseason moment where if the playoffs are out of reach, Aaron Donald sitting down, Matthew Stafford's on injury reserve. Let the other guys step up and take helm and see what they can do, right? Prepare them for that next year, for that comeback season. So I'm excited to see what's going to happen. I'm not sure if he's going to pass the sticks, like you said. Yeah, I'm not not really expecting him to. <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't know. Just his his response, uh, it didn't sound like he was, he was, you know, dying to do that, right? Um, looking at this game, we have a backup quarterback versus what was a backup quarterback who's now going to get handsomely paid, I would imagine, in the offseason in Geno Smith. And it's it's an interesting game because these two teams haven't faced each other. I feel like this this we haven't seen it like this long. It took for the Rams and Seahawks to face each other. Um, I don't think we've seen that before and not this late. So that means we're going to get two Seahawks games the last six games of the year. And it's just interesting to me because, you know, these teams have such a history. And in addition to that, it's love hate for me. I'm just going to tell you right now, the Seahawks. (laughs) Yeah, well, exactly. And so, you know, the, the weird thing is, Cam, this team got a glimpse. They were the first team to get a glimpse out of, I'm not saying this year's Geno Smith, but when Geno Smith took over, he took over on that Thursday night football game against the Rams. They knocked out Russell Wilson, and then Geno Smith came in. And, I mean, they were in that game. I'm not going to say that they dominated or that they you know, were, were going to win, but they were in the game, and that ended up being against the Super Bowl champions. Now it's a completely flipped script, and Seattle is inter- – you know, they have a chance uh, to make the playoffs, and the Rams right now are clinging on to a 3% chance. So it, it's, it's a very different dynamic here, but you've heard Sean McVay talk about you know, Geno Smith. And, and I mean, he definitely, uh, you know, is, is very highly, you know, thinks very highly of him, whether he ends up being a Seahawk next year or, or he gets paid somewhere else, you know, remains to be seen, but you know, we've seen some good stuff out of him. You've mentioned him before on the pod. Uh, so I'm very interested to see him versus John Wolford today. I do think they're going to get like Bryce Perkins involved a little bit. 
Uh, what I'm hoping as a little shout out to my Jayhawks up there, although that's a basketball banner. Um, but in football, Andy Kotelnicki, their uh, offensive coordinator, he used Jalen Daniels, their starting quarterback, and their backup quarterback, Jason Bean. And Cam, stop me if you've ever seen this before, but it was so unorthodox because they had uh, Daniels in the shotgun and Jason Bean lined up at, at running back. And they they faked so they did like a read option and Bean took it and threw the ball. It was really cool. So I, like I feel like they could do something like that. Knowing Sean McVay, you know he he's a copycat, right? Like he'll he'll take yeah. things and make it. What if we see that today? That would be something. That's true. And to be honest, I wouldn't be surprised if Taysom Hill and the Saints did that next week. Right? Yeah, like you know. Like you said, it's a copycat league. A lot of times, it's out there. If one coach, if one coach sees it work, they're like, "Hey, l- let me try that. Let me let me put that in my in my wheelhouse and see if we can make that work." And so, I think you mentioned it. Having Bryce Perkins to get some reps to make sure that he's healthy because for Wolford, he, his neck might still be hurt there, Jake. Right? And so, it would be important for the off the Rams offense to maybe have a fullback chronic in the backfield for max protection, right? Just to make sure that his quarterbacks feel safe and feel protected because. At the end of the day, you know, there's six games left. We don't want to go through every Rams quarterback on the roster. So making sure that the quarterback's health and safety is extremely is is going to be extremely important. And also give the other guys a chance. You know, I know you said you don't think it's going to happen, but um, for the Rams offense, you know, give a, give some other guys a chance, see what they can do, because uh, they might be head coaches someday, as we as we talked about. The Rams are the factory for, for coaches there. Hey, I'm with you there. And, you know, it, it's it's something to point out. I've already talked about this on another show because I went on the Take 12 podcast, um, you know, our friends over, you know, with Believe. And I got to tell you, like watching last week, I don't know if you saw the Seahawks game, but like Josh Jacobs and what he did. Okay. I mean, he won me like single handedly won me a fantasy matchup. So I was down 44 points, Cam, and he, he drops 48 like who drops 48 in fantasy like, you know, uh, in a week, right? That rarely happens, especially at the running the back position. Times. They ran the ball 40 times, Jake. The Raiders did. So, I'm, Cam, <laughs> Cam, I'm just saying if if they let Kyron Williams eat, like we could see a pretty big day. Seattle's really has struggled to stop the run. That's their Achilles heel. Aside from that. They get pressure on the quarterback. They have a good secondary led by, you know, two young guns, uh, you know, in Kobe Bryant and uh, Woolen from UTSA. And then they have Quandre Diggs, who's an all pro safety, <clears throat> you know, he was two interceptions last game against the Raiders. Like to start the game. Yeah, now, Jake, it wasn't like, oh, into the game. It was like to start the game. And one, one quick story, Jake, that I thought of when I was at the Rams, uh, it was 2017. The, the Rams, we got interceptions on the first series of every game back to back to back. And I, I asked Aaron, like, wait, what's what's going on here? And he was like, yeah, we just have a hot streak of getting interceptions the first series of the game back to back to back. And the Seahawks did that. And they were in the game until, until Jacobs took it away, right? But the Rams getting back to that, getting some takeaways like the Seahawks did against the Raiders. I mean, that would be that would be good to see. I, I mean, I don't know about you. They got back in the takeaway department, not who we thought they would get back in the takeaway department uh, against with, uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes. I mean, you know, you had Nick Scott coming down with the interception, but um, Geno Smith is not perfect. You can rush Geno Smith. They have played Geno Smith within the last, you know, year. 
Uh, he's not perfect, and you can beat him. And this is a Seahawks team right now that unfortunately if the Rams played him maybe last year or the week before, they might have been a little bit more vulnerable. With the Rams' luck, now they're playing a team that's hungry. They've lost two straight. They lost the uh, the Buccaneers in the uh, Germany game, and then you know they lose that Raiders game. So that, hurt. Yeah, that had to have hurt. Um, this game's a little interesting because the Rams obviously they don't have guys like Cup and Stafford, but Aaron Donald is out. Okay, so now you know you get into the whole he wants to come back. So I don't think this is him saying I don't want to play. I think this is the Rams being very cautious. Uh, but the thought is that he could come back in two weeks. He's got a, an ankle sprain and he wants to come back. That's the competitor he is. I give him all the credit. Um, they still have Jalen Ramsey in, in the you know defensive uh, backfield, right? Uh, you know, I'm hoping we get to see these young guys. I mentioned Russ Yeast, you know, being an X factor. Didn't even get to see him on the defensive side. Hoping we see more of that. Um, hoping we get to see some Terrell Lewis because th- it's it's put up or shut up time, right? You're a third round pick in 2020. We already know, you know, they had a short leash with Terrell Burgess, who was also a third round pick in 2020. He's out the door. So, I mean, we got to see something out of Terrell Lewis. Uh, I don't know if Daniel Hardy will play, but I that's one of the most exciting things, I think, of the week when they decide to activate him. Um, hopefully he plays. This is a guy, you know, out of Montana state who is a freakish athlete. I mean, like one of the freakiest athletes from the draft, they get in the seventh round. He's the only like address that they did to get an outside linebacker. So like, that's their, that, that was it. Like, that was their counter to losing Vaughn Miller. So, obviously, he's a seventh rounder. Doesn't mean necessarily he's going to turn into Miles Garrett, but I wouldn't mind if he turned into Miles Garrett. And we get to see him hopefully today wearing that awesome number 44 that I think looks very good on a ramp. Uh, Furthermore, Michael Hoyt, he played very well last week. I hope we get to see him more uh, in that role because I think with A. Sean out, uh, with Aaron Donald out, you only have Greg Gaines on that defensive line. I want to see more Michael Hoyt. I want to see Marquise Copeland, and I want to see Daniel Hardy. Yeah, I mean, the Rams defense, I looked at some of the stats there. I think they have 22 sacks in the season. They're 20, 27, 20% in pressure, 30, 30% in blitz, right? And so we talk about that, that bend no break defense. I'm sure a lot of those numbers that I just read off came from Aaron Donald. So now that he's not in there, Everyone's eyes are going to be on the Rams defensive line. Aaron's not there. What's going to happen? How are they going to respond? What does this defense look like? And so for Raheem Morris, I think we talked about it. That been no break, that's it hasn't been working. I don't think they sacked Patrick. They even got to Patrick Mahomes like that that last game. I know Aaron caused some pressures, but they didn't really get any sacks. So now it's like, okay, Raheem, like you got six games left. We, we understand that you were trying to stop some bleeding from the Rams offense, you know, making sure no one got any deep shots over you. But what does your defense really look like? You don't have the best player in the world, right? For the past, you know, seven to seven or so seasons. What does your defense really look look like? What is your team really made of? And so I think we're going to probably see a little bit more from Raheem Morris. I know we talked about some of the coaches stepping up. Chris Shula, he's the pass game coordinator. Eric Henderson, the run game coordinator. Does he incorporate those guys a little bit more? I, I was with Chris Shula when I was at the Rams as well. He's a legacy coach at the end of the day. He knows his football. So, 
is he going to get a shot to show what he can do? Is he are are these are these coaches that are not at the top level, but you know the assistant coaches are they going to be able to show what they're made of? And you know, I think for the Rams fans out there, we're going to really see the makeup of this team today, right? It's a it's a divisional opponent. You're going against Pete Carroll, the Seahawks. Um, you know, like I said, it's love hate for me when it comes to the Seahawks. So <laughs> I'm excited to see what the Rams are going to do. So, Cam, one thing I want to point out is. I mean, I know a lot of people are looking at this as a loss and that's all they're looking at as, but I think this is a bigger opportunity here because going up against Kansas City, like it's massive David versus Goliath vibes. This game is a divisional game. Most divisional games stay somewhat close. They know each other. They have the familiarity. But in addition to that, I I feel like this is easier, you know, for this team. Uh, They're playing back at home. You know, I, I feel better about this week. I'm not saying they're necessarily going to win, but I feel better about this week than I did against Kansas City. Um, and I thought they played their ass off against Kansas City. I mean, you know, <laughs> third quarter they were in it. Like, I mean, it was a two point game. <laughs> I, I just, you know, like what what else could you ask for that from them? I mean, playing at Arrowhead, playing in the cold, playing against Patrick Mahomes, number one offense, third holding the number one offense in the in the uh, red zone, one of six conversion rate. That's insane. I mean. Yeah. If they do that this week against Geno Smith, they just—I don't think they have enough talent to to win that game. It on the Seahawks side, the Chiefs have way too much talent. If even if they struggle in the red zone, they can get things going. Um, yeah. But we're going to see Kenneth Walker, and last week we saw Isaiah Pacheco, and it goes back to what we were saying. This guy, you know, Pacheco made his presence felt. He wasn't great in the yards per carry realm. But he ran 22 times to the point where he kept the defense honest. And that is something Seattle will do with Kenneth Walker. I mean, the guy is a workhorse. He can take on 22 carries. He can take out 28 carries. I mean, he could take on 34 carries if he wanted to. Uh, He's proven that. And so, you know, then you have guys like DK Metcalf and, you know, Tyler Lockett. And you can't cover everybody. And, And Lockett's had good success against the Rams in the past. Then you have to worry about Noah Fant. You know, you have to worry about Colby Parkinson. You have to worry about Will Disley, guys that can beat you over the middle. I I mean, they have guys. Marquise Goodwin is kind of, you know, reemerged. I mean, he's a guy that he'll go away for a little bit. He'll hook onto a team and they're like, oh, yeah, that's speed. We have to definitely worry about that speed over the top. So they have guys. Yeah, and Kenneth Kenneth Walker, to your point, he scored once in the beginning of the game with uh, Raiders versus Seahawks. And we didn't really hear from him since. I think he's a 2.0 run average right now. So it's it's not looking good versus with Kenneth Walker compared to last game. I think one play he got flipped on his head, so he made the headlines. So I think this game, we're going to see a lot more of Kenneth Walker because they need to run the ball really well. And I think, too, for the Seahawks defense, we're going to see them tackling a lot better and trying to stop the run because they just got torched last week. So guess what Pete Carroll was talking about all week this week? run run the ball and stop the run like that's all i'm sure they're focused on this week because they're really good in the past game like you mentioned you got dj metcalf tyler lockett those guys are getting targeted 15 to 10 times in a game and so who are they going to throw to y'all they're going to throw to those two guys and so double double team dj metcalf right and keep an eye on tyler lockett i mean he's a return man he has world-class speed and then you mentioned with uh with goodwin as well he has world-class speed and so stop the run run the ball for the Rams offense and then, Hey, we'll, we'll see what happens uh, when it comes to, you know, when the whistle, when, when the whistle blows at the end of the game. 
you talked about world-class speed. So I got to bring up 2-2 Atwell. How much do you expect to see 2-2 in this game? Because to me, there's no excuse now. A-Rob's gone. Cooper Cup's gone. Van Jefferson's coming back into his own. You know, he he's still in like week three, if you really think about it. He's missed like the entire season just about. And he had no preseason or really a training camp. So he's behind the eight ball there. So how much 2-2 out will do we see? Especially with like, you know, Lance McCutcheon. He, he's dealing with an injury. He's probably out this week. They're banged up. Like, you would have to imagine if they don't get him going on the outside that they at least play him in the slot. Yeah, I would like to see some max protection, and I would like to see some deep balls to Tutu Atwell. Like, just, just give me that. I've been watching a lot of these college football games, and one thing that I've seen about these college football games that it makes it really exciting are some of these deep balls, right? I was watching TC versus Kansas State. And those guys are airing it out down the field. They're running the ball really well, but they're also airing that football line. And I want to see that from the Rams, right? It's got six games left. No risk it, no biscuit. Let's see 2-2 on a deep ball. Let's see what he can do there. The Van Jefferson, when Wolford was in the game, uh, I think it was versus the Cardinals, I believe, or the Saints. Um, Jefferson got his touchdown in the end zone, right, to, to finish the game off. And I think that was that was big time. And I think we'll continue to see his momentum, his gameplay build up. So run the ball right Kyron Williams should be the MVP in this game like oh yeah talk next week when we give the game balls Kyron should be the MVP of this game run the ball run the ball run the ball but also get 2-2 going on the seams max pro and then get Ben Jefferson going in the red zone short game whatever that looks like but I would like to see this Rams offense emerge a little bit and maybe Sean McVay will pass the sticks so we can see a little diversity in the game column no, I, I absolutely agree. Uh, this better be a heavy Kyron Williams game. Um, I know Cam Akers, I don't think he practiced or he was, he was you know, he was dealing with an illness. Um, I think this is Kyron's game. I think this is a great opportunity. You get him a lot of confidence going into next year, going up against one of the worst run defenses in football right now. Uh, just gave up 300 total yards to Josh Jacobs. I mean, this is a huge opportunity to get Kyron Williams confidence through the roof because if he comes in, doesn't matter. It's Seattle, right? If he comes in and he's a rookie and he's only played what three games now, if he comes in, has a hundred yard day touchdown, you know, and they win the game. I mean, think about how good that is to build off moving forward. Kind of reminds me similarly. I, I mean, not exactly the same, but the jets going out and getting Michael Carter because Michael Carter was never going to be their bell cow. Um, but they used him, you know, towards the end of the year last year and got him that confidence. And then at one point, you know, this guy is just their go-to in the passing game because he, you know, he's so reliable. And so when they brought in Brees Hall this year, it was like, it was seamless, right? Because he had a role. So that opens up the door, whether or not they feel Kyron is a long-term, you know, main guy, main chick, if you will, or... If he just sticks to, you know, they find this role for him and he sticks so well that you move on next year and you, you draft a running back or you sign a running back in free agency and you make Kyron like that Michael Carter piece and you go out and you get a Brees Hall piece, you know, uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw that. But in order to yeah. do that, you have to see something, right? You, you have to know where your pieces fit. So that's why you have to play at well. You have to. I think you got to get Jacob Harris a little bit involved this week. You got to see what you have in him. You got to see what you have in Bryson Hopkins. Definitely Kyron, like we were talking about. Um, and then on the offensive line, 
just keep things the way they are. I mean, I think this offensive line deserves to play at least one week with the same guys. Uh, Inseki looks like he could be back, so that could be big. Um, so there's a chance that they could go back to a previous combination, and there you go. So yeah. that's the hope because, Cam, I actually want to ask you about this. Um, my father brought this up, and he watches our show, and you know, he was a big fan big fan of yours as well uh (laughs) but you know he mentioned something really interesting to me he has this theory why all these injuries are happening and it's not like anything's wrong with the training staff because the training staff's been great i mean they've never had issues like this but his argument is that you have these guys who are just funneling in and out they don't have the playbook like necessarily the way the starters would they don't know like the positions they're not in the positions as seamless as some of the like the starters the opening day starters would be and when you're constantly you know funneling guys in and out like that and not the coaches but just the players with all the injuries now a certain guy may not be in a right position this guy say he's see he has to pull and you know he's running into his own guy and that guy's tripping him What do you feel like? Do you think that's a real thing in the NFL where, you know, you have these maybe more so in the offensive line, but where you start cutting into your depth so much that the lack of experience leads to injuries because guys are in the wrong place? That could that could be a thing, right? I think you mentioned it, the athletic trainers, you know, when it comes to the strength coach, when it comes to what they're doing to recover, what they're doing to prepare the small tissue, you know, preparation. I think that goes into when it, when you see all those injuries, I think you have to say, hey, okay, what are we doing? Um, what are we doing in the locker room? You know, in the training room, like what does that look like? And I think maybe restructuring the game, the game changes. People are getting faster, right? And so if, if guys aren't getting that much experience on the actual practice field, how can we prepare those guys to simulate those situations in the training room, you know, while you're working out and what does that look like? Because a lot of times, too, you know, when it comes to the Rams athletic training staff, they take pride in what they do, right? Reggie and those guys, they take pride in what they do. You, if you see Reggie, he's, that, he's the ball head guy. Uh, him and, and then Byron is the ball head guy with the glasses on the sideline. But they take pride in what they do when it comes to being athletic trainers for the Rams, keeping everyone healthy. And so I'm sure they're taking this one, you know, taking this one on the, on the, uh, on the shoulder a little bit here. Like, oh, all of our guys are hurt. Like, what can we do to get better? And so when you see that, you have to look at your, your program uh, holistically, right? I know the beginning of the season, we were talking about some of the players. Why don't we do this? Why, why don't the players do that? And then we were like, okay, wait a minute. The play calling. What is the play calling looking like, Sean McVay? You know, and now we're going to the, you know, the assistant coaches. All right, give these guys a shot. And so I think we take that, that same thought process. We take it to the, the training room, seeing what they're doing there, revamping, changing things around. They might be super, they might be, uh, they might be hungover from the Super Bowl as well. And so fine tuning the process through and through from the nutritionist, not only the athletic trainer, but also what are the guys eating every day? What what are they putting into their body? What does that look like? And so the game of football is not easy. Winning a championship is not easy. And you see, we have to have everything in order from the film person to the janitor, to the athletic trainer, to the, to the GM. What are we doing to win? What does success look like in each of these arenas? So uh, Papa Ellen Bogan, great call out there. I think that's really important that everyone needs to be 
on their A game to win to win football games in the NFL. Yeah, and I, you know it's funny. He also brought this up back when I was little, uh, not that little, but you know, uh, it was the Sam Bradford era. Um, Josh McDaniels was the offensive coordinator. And it was also a year where the injuries were just insane. I mean, like Josh Gordy was their starting corner. Uh, it was, it was that bad. Like they just had guys that they were like Al Harris and Josh Gordy were their starting corners. Al Harris at the end of his career, not Al Harris, who was, you know, a baller in green Bay. Uh, so they were dealing with a lot. And my dad was saying, not really the defense would, this would lead to, but the offense he was saying Josh McDaniel's system is so complicated that he felt like guys were getting hurt because they weren't in the right positions and they're thinking too much. They don't know like the playbook because it's incredibly complicated and you can't install something like that in one off season. So it was leading to guys like Danny Amendola, you know, putting him in a bad spot or whatever, because it's a very, very, very complex offense. And it took a while for the Patriots to install that. And when they did, it's like a well-oiled machine, but until it becomes a well-oiled machine, it can also backfire and hurt you. Um, and, and I tend to agree with that, but what I'll say just in relation to this game though, is that you have to show something. There are injuries in this game. I get it. Like, they're really banged up. But this was the team that won the Super Bowl this calendar year. I, I've said that so many times on this show, but it's it's true. We're still in 2022. This calendar year, they were hoisting the Lombardi Trophy. And right now, they're 3-8. and eight. And... It is the worst team coming off, you know, by record. It's the worst team coming off a Super Bowl win. It is also in jeopardy of becoming the 10th team since the 1990s to win the Super Bowl and then miss the playoffs the following year. Now, the interesting thing, Cam, is that while they are, they would be the 10th team, uh, there are two teams on there, the Steelers and the Patriots. The Patriots missed the playoffs the year after they beat the Rams in their first Super Bowl with Brady and Belichick. They missed the playoffs. They went nine and seven. They went, they got hot at the end of the year and it was too late, which the Rams could still do. If they went nine and eight, that would be freaky. That would be exactly like the Patriots, right? So, (laughs) so they go, they go nine and seven. They miss it the next year. they, They win the Super Bowl. The next, the year after that, they win the Super Bowl again. And that that's the beginning of their dynasty. Um, the Steelers 2005, like they win the Super Bowl and then they miss it. And then it happens, you know, and then they go back to the the Super Bowl. And then 2008, after they win the Super Bowl, they miss it again. Um, you know, I I feel like the, you know, looking at this because I did some research and I'll be doing like a extensive video on it, explaining my thoughts. Uh, but I did some research and off the top of my head, you know, you look at the John Gruden Buccaneers, um, you know, with Brad Johnson, right? You could see why they missed the playoffs the year after they won the Super Bowl. They didn't buy a championship, but you had the older guys on that defense, like Derek Brooks. They were getting up there in age. Like, that was the the last hurrah, so to speak. Uh, you could see why uh, John Elway's Broncos, because he retired, and the next year they weren't the same. You could see why the Giants... Because in the 90s, Parcells retires. And 
stupidly, I don't know how you build Belichick a defensive coordinator. They don't promote him to head coach. They promote the running backs coach. So there you go there. And then, you know, there've been teams like that, right? But I feel like those teams are like obvious, like the Rams have way more talent than those teams. You see what I'm saying? So I feel like they're more, (laughs) they're more in the, the Patriots, uh, you know, Steelers realm, even though their record is terrible this year, I feel like they have a chance to go back next year and, and really, and really push. Uh, but it goes back to what we were saying though. You gotta be able to finish this year strong. You can't just throw in the towel because that will lead into next year. And that will be just a disaster. You can't afford it. And going to your point too, you mentioned, you mentioned this. The Rams have been in every game, right? If people every game. watch the Rams games, the first half, the Rams are crushing it. It's always the second half where things start to drop off a little bit. And so, and I think we talked about it, maybe the Achilles heel of the season, the Texans game where the Rams are up big time and then they let the Texans come back. And so that just kind of set the tone for not finishing strong. And so <clears throat> the, the Rams now have a chance. They got six games left. What does finishing strong look like, right? Are we going to build our bench? Are we going to build our our second string coaches, right? Are we going to make that side chick or whoever, Kyron Williams, make him the main chick? I know Henderson's gone now. Henderson's no chick at this point, right? Pain. But, uh, p- painful. I know, painful. It's funny. <laughs> I, I saw one of the videos that you, you, you posted, uh, running backs beware, right, with Henderson leaving. That that really hurt our hearts. But the Rams still can make it up. The Rams, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. The Rams can still make it up. Kyra Williams. They're still alive somehow. They're still alive. What does that running game look like? And so making sure that everyone gets a chance to to shine is going to be really important for next year's comeback, right? Minor setback for the major comeback. So six games left, Jake. Seahawks are up. It's time to go to work. (laughs) That it is. And, you know, I'll say this, Cam. If Sean McVay were to commit to the run in this game, and they won this game and say he, he ran the ball 25 times. I would have hope that they could win out the rest of the year because I really believe that Sean McVay's lack of like running the ball this year has hurt this team on, you know, just an unreal level. Um, right now it's more imperative than ever to establish the run because whether we like them or not, the Rams don't have any like established talent, you know, in the wide receiver room right now. With Robinson out, Cup out, Van Jefferson is riding an 800-yard season as of last year. He's really done nothing this year, and he missed most of this year. And I'm a big fan of his, but he's not a, a wide receiver one or a two yet. So he's a guy that shows you long-term he could be something, but right now defense is going to be like, Van Jefferson, he's just a guy. Tutu Atwell, are you kidding me? He's had, what, four catches in the NFL? There's no way teams are going to be like, oh, Tutu Atwell, right? You got to res- you gotta build that up. Ben Skoranek, no one is freaking out about Ben Skoranek. The, the fans may like him now, but defenses aren't scared of him. Same with Brandon Powell, right? So really, defenses can key in on Tyler Higby because that's the guy that like, okay, Tyler Higby, you know, he's the best pass catcher. He He's the most established in that room right now, you know? So that's the thing when you're, you know, wide receivers, your weapons aren't scaring the defense. Like you have to be able to run the ball because they're just, they're not going to respect you. 
They're just going to send the, the house. Yeah. Yeah. They're going to bring the safeties up. They're going to stack the box. Bring an extra D lineman. They're just going to stack the box. Like, I'm not I'm not scared of 2-2 two, two out. Well, I'll, I'll take my chances. That's what, I mean, that's what they'll do. That's what, honestly, teams have been doing that all year when you really think about it. They haven't really even respected Allen Robinson. And going back, go back to Kyron, going back to Kyron's piece. The Raiders had a good job, did a good job last week with Jacobs of having him in some of the empty, the empty sets and having him catch passes uh, yes. from, from the sideline. There was one of the plays where he was two yards from the sideline, ran a slant, uh, in, inward slant route, and had like a twenty-yard explosive. So I can see Kyron Williams doing that, right, finding different ways to get him the ball and making him that threat, making people scared and like, hey, we got to watch this running back because he's out in the open, he's catching footballs, he's in the backfield, he's running it. So like you said, force people to respect you when it comes to the Rams offense. What what can they fear? Authority, <laughs> man. Like? Yeah. like you got to be authoritarian here. No. <laughs> so before we get in the X factors and then um, the, the final score prediction and then wrap up the show, I have to bring up this point, okay? Shane Waldron is the offensive coordinator for the Seahawks. As you well know, he was with the Rams. Uh, I feel like the Rams have more of a shot in this game than they've had in a while because they're going up against an offense that they know very well. This is the Sean McVay mold. They know how things work. The zone running scheme, using the play action passing attack, using the dagger concepts that they love to use. I mean, really, it's the Sean McVay offense when things are going well, right? Uh, So the Rams know how to stop that because keep in mind, they play that like Vic Fangio scheme, which was literally they practiced against that nonstop that is what caused McVeigh to have to change everything he was doing. So that is a pretty good counter to what, you know, the Seahawks are going to want to do. And they still have a rookie left tackle there. So while that might be the most inexperienced part of their uh, defensive line, if you will, the outside linebacker, uh, you know, coming off that left side, you know, because you have Michael Hoyt, who played well last week, but like he's, obviously not a veteran outside linebacker, more like an interior guy uh, being used there. Then you have Terrell Lewis, who's kind of, he's there and then he's not there. So like Leonard Floyd will be rushing from the right, but from the left against the rookie is going to be Hoyt, potentially Hardy, potentially Lewis. So that is something to, to look out for because, you know, I think Charles Cross is a very, very talented, uh, you know, player. I think he is going to be very good, and that pick was brilliant by Seattle because you got yourself a left tackle of the future, but... Go get him. Go get him. Make his life hell, you know, at least for 60 minutes. I mean... You, Gino doesn't like pressure, too, you know what I mean? So yeah. So he can throw some interceptions, he can fumble that football, so apply pressure for that tackle, it'll it'll spill into Gino's lap. And the thing about like Gino isn't like a true running quarterback. He can run if provoked, but he's not Lamar Jackson. He's not Josh Allen. He's not. I mean, Patrick Mahomes isn't really a runner, but last week, I mean, it sure seemed that way. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but hey, seven pressures from Floyd. So do we do we see that Leonard Floyd this week? I mean, he's been playing well. 17 pressure over the last five games. I'll take it. You know, he's fully healthy. 
let's see him step up. Um, but yeah, I, I think, you know, looking at the X factors in this game as we kind of pivot, I mean, I'm I'm going to say it before anyone else does. Kyra Williams for the Rams offense, like that is a no-brainer, right? Like he is probably not the X factor. He's probably the key to the entire game. Like if you want to win the game, like you need Kyron Williams to get at least, I would say at least 20 touches. I really believe that. Like it doesn't all have to be rushing because he can help you in the passing game, but you got to get him in the ball. And I think that's the first thing. Um, then on the defensive side, I'm going to say it sucks because I, I, you know, I could say Daniel Hardy and that's kind of out of the box, but I'm going to stick to Greg Gaines here. He's the only one who's healthy on the starting defensive line. And we've seen what he can do. He can push the pocket. He can push the, the interior offensive line back into the quarterback. And like you said, I mean, you pressure Gino, you pressure any quarterback for that matter. And you know, they can't really beat you. Right. So, I mean, interior pressure, we saw Cam, you know, the Eagles went out and they paid, uh, you know, Fletcher Cox again. They went out and they paid Javon Hargrave. You know, the Rams obviously paid a hefty price for Aaron Donald. I mean, interior pressure is still like a thing. Like, I, I know the the sexy thing is to look at the the speed rusher coming off the edge, right? Because they, they make the most noise. But the interior rush is huge. And Greg Gaines has been playing very well lately. So I'm going to say he's the X factor for the Rams on the defensive side. For Seattle, I'm going to say it's Kenneth Walker uh, for the you know, on the offense. Maybe not as yeah. you know amazing as it sounds, but Kenneth Walker, I mean, he really is the key to victory there. And then on the defensive side, I'm going to say Tariq Woolen because you look at a guy that, look, Wolford, when he is in a rhythm, can be a decent quarterback. But this guy has turned the ball over. And Tariq Woolen is a guy that once he turns the ball over, he picks it off, he's going to house it, man. He's fast as hell. Like, he is a physical freak. And, I mean... Sauce Gardner is 100% going to win defense player of the year, but a defense rookie of the year, maybe defense player of the year. He's having a monster season. Um, but you can't forget about this rookie out of the fifth round in Tariq Woolen. What he's yeah. done has been amazing. So he has to be the X factor for me on the defensive side. And I would argue, you know, you Chen and Nwosu, you could put up there as well. But I'm going to say Tariq Woolen uh, for the defense. What are yours, Cam? Yeah, so I'll stay on the Seahawks defense. I'm going to keep with Quandre Diggs. My man go had on. two interceptions last game, right? And he knows Wolford's here. I think that was like his first interception on the season last week. So he's probably licking those chops like, ooh, I got a duck on line one. That's probably what he's thinking. I need to get some more before the season ends, before the playoffs kick off. So let me get some more interceptions. So um, Quandre Diggs, I think he's going to be the X factor uh, for the Seahawks on the defensive side. Offensive side, I'm going Tyler Lockett. I mean, everybody's going to be looking at DJ Metcalf. They're going to be like, double-team DJ. I think Tyler Lockett, if the Rams do that bend no break defense and they allow those holes in those seams, like Patrick Mahomes took advantage of last week with that cover two beater in that little hole, that sweet spot behind the corner between the safety, Tyler Lockett is going to be in that sweet spot. Believe that. And so the Rams got to make sure they lock in on that. Um, so those are my two for the Seahawks. And then if I go on the offensive side, I got to go Bobby Wagner. Sorry, defense, I got to go Bobby Wagner for the defense. I mean, he's playing the Seahawks, right? That's his old squad. First time playing them since he's left. 
I think I think Bobby Wagner's gonna go off this game. I, I've been talking about him every podcast. He's gonna be the big play guy. Aaron Donald's out. Jalen Ramsey, he's been doing his thing. You know, I see it. There. Who's next up? It has to be Bobby Wags. It has to be Bobby Wags. He has to get an interception against his old team, force fumble. Like he has to be the player of the game on the defensive side, I believe, for the Rams. And then offensively, I'm gonna have to go Tyler Higby. You mentioned it. Um, he's gonna be. He's his, the eyes are gonna be on him all game. He's gonna have to show up. I mean, you went Kyron Williams. He was on my list, so I had to go back and change my list. But Kyron Williams has to go off. And then Tyler Higby has to I'll go let off. you have Pacheco last week. <laughs> that, yes, I, thank you for that. Thank you for that. And, and I, I think too, just Tyler Higby, when it comes to a backup quarterback, he's gonna be the best friend of a backup quarterback. It's the quickest, it's the easiest throw. If he can't hand it off, he can pull up and pop it to Tyler Higby. So those are gonna be my X factors for this game. The Rams have to shut them down on defense, right? That been no break, we, we're tired of saying that, right? That finish strong, we're tired of saying that. Let's go get after that football. Bobby Wagner's gonna have to come through and make some big plays against his old team. And Kyron Williams, I mean, the Seahawks deep run defense isn't great. He should be licking his chops too. He should feel like, hey, I need to have a 200-yard football game this game. One of his best games of, of his career this game. And so, Did you see his mic'd it, up? I'm sure that's what he's thinking. He's out there constantly like, I got to make a play. I got to make a play. I got to make it. The dude's roadrunner. <laughs> like, <laughs> I like it, though. I, I like love it. it. We need that. We need that. It It's a, a fire to see that in a young rookie in a season where he was doing that in a game where they're three and seven going up against who might win the Super Bowl this year in the Kansas City Chiefs. And you would never know it because this guy is just positive. He's just like, you know, brewing with emotion and confidence. And it's so impressive. I mean, this is why I was so excited for him, uh, you know, coming out of Notre Dame. And when everyone was like, oh, he only ran a four, six, 40. I don't care. The guy wants to hit people. He's a running back and he wants to take on blocks. So he wants to be a legit pass protector. That's hard to find with a running back. That's legitimately hard to find because running backs just want to get the ball. They want to score touchdowns. That's what they want to do. When Kyron Williams said, all I want to do is hit people. I was like, whoa, that, that mindset is going to go a long way. Right. That's That's not a a diva mindset. mindset. Usually that's more like a defensive mindset. Yeah. Like to hit people, but if an offensive guy wants to take on a moving train at, and blitz protection, like, yeah, I mean, that. that's amazing. His favorite player was Steven Jackson. You know, mm. he has that mm. that desire, and he's a guy. He got caught, so he's running for like he ran for like a nine yard run last week, and uh, the mic'd up. He's like, ah, like he was all pissed because he's like, oh, I should have had more. Like, and he's like yelling at himself. I'm like, I love this kid. Yeah. I love him. Just yeah, you know. And, and you you know that guy's just going to work his tail off, right? So, I don't know. I I think that it's a really... There's a big opportunity here. I think Raheem Morris is going to go a little crazy because, you know, no Aaron Donald. So, I don't think they can afford to run the same defense that they normally do. And I think that's something people need to keep in mind. They, they're probably going to change things up. They're probably going to be creative. They're probably going to go like, you know, Greg Williams. They're probably going to do things like that where they do safety blitzing. And, you know, I we should see Jacoby Durant in this game because he's had successful uh, cornerback blitzes out of the slot. Like, I want to see some of that. You know, I want to see, you know, some creativity. I want to see those two quarterbacks, right? The two quarterbacks set that Andy Nicky made famous with Kansas. I want to see that. 
I want to see two running backs. If it, if Akers plays in this game, I want to see Akers and uh, you know Kyron on the field at the same time. I want to see you know Jacob Harris lined in line at tight end or on the outside. I want to see creativity this game because you have these fans that are just dying. Look, people have admitted that this season is likely over, right? Like it might be done. They have a 3% chance of making the playoffs. The least you can do for the audience here, the fan base that is sticking by this team at three and eight is give them something to cheer about. Right. And so that that's what I, and you know, I hope happens. I think that's what they intend to do. I think we're going to get a fun game today, a, an old school NFC West rivalry game. Uh, it may not lead to a W. And in this case, since we're doing the final uh, score prediction, I'm going to say it doesn't. I have them losing two straight. I never picked the Rams to lose, but Kansas City was like the first game I started to pick them to lose. I have them losing 24 to 16. I think it's going to be a fun game. Uh, it might be a little frustrating to some people, but I think it's going to be a good defensive battle. Um, I will say you kind of made me wish that like FanDuel had a anytime scorer for a particular defensive player. The odds would be crazy and I'd be betting on Bobby Wagner. Like, think about that. Yeah. It'd be like plus yeah. 6,000, but I, I would, I'd do it. You kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> Just throw yeah, five dollars down that Bobby Wagner gets a you know a touchdown. I mean, come on. Yeah, yeah, no, and I know too. You're big. You're a big data guy, so you like to be on point with your bets, with your numbers. Big and time. So a lot of times you pick the right things. For me, I'm a former player, Jake. Yeah. You know, after the Rams, and so no matter the opponent, no matter who it is, I got to know that my team's going to win, right? I got to know that my team's going to win. So every week, you know, even if it's the Chiefs. I pick the Rams to win. It doesn't matter because I'm a former player. And so for this game versus Seahawks. Well, you got to pick the Rams hate. now. You picked them against I, the I Chiefs. Mean, I mean, I, I got to. It's love, hate. You know what I mean? It's love, hate for the Seahawks. So I'm going 2017 Rams. I think Wolford, I think he finds his guys in the end zone. I think Kyron Williams runs the ball really well. I think Bobby Wagner creates some turnovers. And I think the Rams get the dub, man. I mean, it's about time. You know, I think I think Sean McVay passes the sticks to some of the guys who who needs a chance to call the plays. And I think we see that exciting, that exciting Rams team again, right? And there's one thing that me and my guy always talk about whenever we want something. We always say, do something for me now, right? And the Rams fans wanna they wanna see something. So do something for the Rams fans now, Sean McVay. Change it up a little bit. Let's not do the same thing over and over again. So I'm excited to see what happens. Game day today at 4 Eastern. So, you know, we'll see. We will see. I, I think, I mean, I could definitely see them winning this game. This is not a game where I know there are people like, oh, I'm done with this team. They're going to get blown out. I don't see why they would get blown out. Um, And, and I will be optimistic, Jake, because I guess I was pessimistic, Jake, when I picked them to lose. But, you know, here's my dose of optimism. Okay. The Giants have one of the worst DVOA defenses in the league and they're seven and four. Um, that is not going to add up. Like they're playing Washington today. I think they lose. They also have another game against Washington, right? I think they have another game against Philly and they might have another against Dallas. Uh, so they're, yeah, their schedule's not Taylor great. Heineke's no joke either for the Washington football team. Taylor Heineke's no joke. So yeah, <laughs> take that. that L. So <laughs> that's the thing, Cam is, you know, it, as much as I would rather see Seattle win the NFC West over San Francisco, and I know a lot of people would, uh, the best case scenario for the Rams was actually for last week to happen. 
because you just want San Francisco to run away with this division at this point. You want Seattle to lose those two games, which they did. Arizona, you shouldn't be scared of. You know, I mean, really, you lost the game. That was stupid. But like, you shouldn't be scared of that team. You're better than that team. So the way I see it is, I mean, I I would say they're pretty much done. It's a 3% chance. Uh, But the best of all worlds happened. Okay. You may have wanted the, the Detroit Lions to beat the Buffalo Bills, you know, on Thanksgiving. That just helped the Rams, you know, and now that that's the thing. And so, you know, I just think when you you look at everything and, and what's going on with the with the NFC uh, division or the NFC conference in general, you have to pencil in five teams because, you know, the Eagles are going to win that division. Then, you know, Dallas is going to be number five because <clears throat> it doesn't matter who wins the Tampa division. I mean, they're five and six. They'll probably win it regardless. Uh, and, and that's, you know, that's a division win automatic in the top four. Then you have the Niners automatic in the top four. And then you have the Vikings automatic in the top four. So now you look at the Packers, the Packers could drop today against, you know, the, the bears. And now all of a sudden we're having a serious conversation whether or not Aaron Rodgers is going to be benched for the rest of the year. And I understand they put Matthew Stafford, on IR, but I still feel like, cause you're out for four games. If the Rams can win these games, I mean, they got a Thursday night game against the Raiders. The Raiders are starting to play decent football, but I'm not sold on that. So if the Rams were to win today and they beat the Raiders on Thursday night, they got, you know, now what do they have left? They have the Seahawks again. They have, you know, the Broncos, I mean, those are, I'm, let's be honest here. If they beat Seattle once, they can beat them twice. And the Broncos look, yep. you know, not very good aside from the defense. So basically what I'm saying is, as crazy as it sounds, I mean, the Rams aren't out of it because this NFC conference isn't a dogfight, really. It, it's a, a lot of pretenders all over the place. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can say what you will about Taylor Heineke, but is Washington really going to win a Super Bowl? No, like they're, they're, they're a pretender in my opinion. They might make the playoffs. They might, but I don't see them doing much with that. The giants are absolutely the definition of pretenders. They got a great coaching staff, but they don't have the talent. So that's something there. Then you look at Arizona. Come on, Seattle. If Seattle wins today, then yeah, check them off. They'll probably make the playoffs, but if they don't, that's three straight. And the Rams just got back in the wing column. And I feel like once the Rams get back in the wing column, because they have not won since the bye, things can kind of change a little bit. Now, I have them losing today, okay? So I'm not saying this is what's going to happen. <laughs> but think about it. You got the Packers again, so you could effectively win that tiebreaker over the Packers, right? You have the tiebreaker over Atlanta. So it, they don't have a lot of wins, but... Having a tiebreaker over Seattle because you play them twice, you could have that tiebreaker over them. Having the tiebreaker over the Packers, having the tiebreaker over Atlanta, that puts you in position where if the Giants lose enough games, Washington loses enough games, even if Washington doesn't, you could steal that seventh or sixth seed. Now, I'm not saying it's going to happen. Again, I have them losing this game. Um, so for those of you in the comments over there that are saying, oh, <laughs> you know, quick capping. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but there is a scenario here. John Wolford slash Bryce Perkins get the job done this week. You know, they, they beat the Raiders on Thursday night football. Then they get that mini buy. 
because if once you went on Thursday, you got that extra time and you're, you have a two game win streak there. Then you play, I think it's the Packers, you know, <laughs> play the Packers on uh, Monday night football. And then you play, um, you know, the Broncos on Christmas. I, I'm just saying like this, this is not over, over if they win today. Now, if they win today and then they beat the Raiders, they're going to be sitting there like, I can't believe they, they let that Buccaneers get like the Buccaneers game, get away from them. Like, I can't believe they allowed themselves to lose that game because yeah. it's a completely different story at that point. They're going to need a lot of help. They are, yeah. but I don't think the teams ahead of them are really that great. So mm-hmm. we'll see cam, but that's yeah. my injection of optimism. If there ever was one. Um, you know, I, they're calling him, calling it hopium in the comment section. Uh, but I, I don't know. I, I think there is a real scenario here. If the Rams win enough games, then they can make a decision whether or not to take Stafford off of IR at the end of the year. They have one more IR, uh, you know, you could take another guy off IR. They have one more slot. I thought it was Daniel Hardy, but that was the second one. They have one more slot. So if they get to, you know, two games left cam and they've won out at that point, they're going to have to have a real conversation about taking Stafford off that IR and giving him another shot. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. But like he said, though, man, um, I think it's going to be really important for the Rams to just finish at the end of the day, just finish strong because you never know what you, you know, what you can get into. And I want to ask you a quick question. Which team do you dislike more? The Seahawks or the 49ers? 49ers. Look like in your heart. <laughs> 49ers. Yeah, I heard that a little bit. I heard that a little bit when you were talking about the 49ers and the Seahawks. And then, like, you kind of add a little extra ump to the 49ers piece. So I see where your heart sits when it comes to the 49ers and Seahawks. For me, it's the Seahawks. Uh, for me, it's the Seahawks. That makes sense, though. With them. A lot of battles with the Seahawks, especially the special teams. Um, I know I gave Tyler Lockett the game ball or the, uh, the X Factor for me. He's returned a lot of uh, punts uh, against us. So. Uh, the Seahawks in my heart is very, very love hate for me. See, the the thing with those two teams is like my dad would say, Seattle was in the AFC for a while. So like when he was a kid and when he got older, like the Niners just took over. It was like the Rams had this like historic franchise and they would just fall short of you know winning titles, right? Uh, and the Niners just came in. They had that one 15 year run. But if you look besides that 15-year run in recently, really haven't been that great. But it's the five Super Bowls, right? And we don't we don't even take credit for the uh the the, the Rams NFL championships, 45 and 51. And for whatever reason, they didn't even get to play in the first Super Bowl, I think, because like it was, you know, the Packers beat them or whatever. And at the time there was only like one, there wasn't like a playoff, right? So like they lost the game and then they couldn't play in it. I forget how I could be wrong, but the point is they had two NFL championships that we never talk about. We never talk about NFL championships. They should exist in my opinion. So that was two and Niners fans always bring up their five. Now I being like little during the whole Sosar Rams era, remember that Seattle was the cockroach that never died. They constantly won that division. And with you, like when you were on the Rams, it wasn't really the Niners. It was Seattle. Like Seattle was the the bad, you know, the big bad. Yeah. yeah. Now it's the Niners. And 
it wasn't the Niners for me until I started getting in my mentions. Like, their fans, not all of them, but some of their fans are insufferable. Like, brutal. My own, Jake, my own family, man, like, during the games, my family was like, hey, 49ers Rams game. I'm gonna, wear, I'm gonna be wearing my 49ers gear, by the way. I still love you. Still taking pictures after the game. Still want tickets to the game, but I'm wearing my 49ers gear. So not right. Trust me, it hurts. <laughs> it hurts. <laughs> oh, it, it it hurt me, Cam. In 2017, I uh, I would really gotten in the draft that year. It was a year after I first started content creating, and I had George Kittle on my podcast, like before it really like started to take off. And uh, I just fell in love with George Kittle's game, you know, and I'm sitting there and I'm like, there's no way Sean McVay doesn't draft this guy. This guy is like the greatest tight end prospect I've ever watched. Like he, he will literally put you six feet under and he was held back by his quarterback at Iowa. Um, And then he goes to the Niners in the fifth round after the Rams picked Gerald Everett in the second. And I could not even cam him going to the 49ers. I, I like, I couldn't stomach it. And then I watched DK, DK Metcalf falls in the second round and goes to the Seahawks. And I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> it's like, come on, man. <laughs> Jake, Jake, they're, hey, Jake, they're li- the Rams, let's need to listen to our podcast sooner or later. And they'll hire us to, to make some changes <laughs> in the program. But until then, we'll just analyze, you know, say how we feel. And just hope for the best. What is it? Hopium? <laughs> yeah, hopium. Chat, it's better than copium. Oh, I can't stand yeah. that meme, man. I see it all over Twitter. Like any, like, sorry, but no, no Ram fan is is taking place with copium. They just won the Super Bowl. Like this year sucks. It, it it's frustrating, but like, I don't think. I mean, I know there's some people that are like blow up the team, but this team isn't done. Like they'll be back next year. Last place schedule, all likelihood, if things don't go well. So you have a last place schedule. You have all the talent. You have core pieces. As long as no one retires, right? Then, I mean, you'll figure it out. Set back for the major comeback. Come on, Jake. Come on. Hopium. Hopium is a lie. <laughs> Hopium. That, that's, I, I, you know, I was uh, today years old when I uh, heard about that. So Yeah, same here. <laughs> Hopefully it doesn't have any negative, negative connotations, so. You know, it's a hopefully it's a made up word. We don't want any, you know, we don't want any problems. Yeah, yeah, ex- exactly. So, uh, I think that's gonna do it. It's been a lot of fun doing the live. Um, we normally don't do live, but you know, maybe we'll do more of this, right? Yeah. You know, it's fun. So, uh, guys, be sure to like, subscribe, comment, all that jazz. You're listening to yeah. it on, you know, YouTube. Uh, Cam, you got to get YouTube so I can shout you out, get people to okay. subscribe to you. So All right. that's your homework, Cam. All right. <laughs> uh, so, so we'll get that, uh, figured out and you know, we'll get that to you next time around. Uh, big thank you to our sponsor, betonline.ag. They, uh, obviously present this, uh, podcast. You guys also believe as always the believe network couldn't do it without them, but, uh, I'm Jake Ellenbogen and he is Cameron Lynch. This has been episode 140 of the Believe in Rams podcast. Be sure to check it out on all podcast platforms. Be sure to subscribe on those. Even if you're already checking out on YouTube, a subscription over on those other podcast platforms helps us out. So uh, please be sure to do that. And uh, you guys take care. 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.